And hello to you and welcome to the Richard Nichols Podcast, the personal development podcast series that's here to help inspire, educate and motivate you to be the best you can be. I'm psychotherapist Richard Nichols and this is episode 153. It's titled The Gratitude Attitude. And if you're ready, we'll start the show. Another episode already? I know these these are normally only once per month, but seeing as I'm celebrating having a book out, I thought I'd do an extra one. So thanks to all of you that have bought a copy of my book, by the way. I've had a few pics sent to me of podcast listeners standing in waterstones holding my book with big smiles. And I didn't know how much I liked that, but it's been really nice. I really liked it. So if anyone else wants to do that, please do. Makes it all worthwhile. Of course, if you haven't bought it yet, here's your reminder. It's called 15 Minutes to Happiness and is available in all good bookshops. Obviously, you can get it online at Amazon and Blackwells and so on. If you go to 15minutestohappiness.com, there are links all over the place, as well as links to download some PDFs that accompany the audiobook too. Some of you have got the audiobook, I'm led to believe. There are some questionnaires in the book, you see, that are very useful at monitoring your mental health over time. And these are questionnaires that obviously I couldn't include in the audiobook, so they've got to be filled in. So they're on the website instead. And thank you, actually, that reminds me, to the magazine shortlist. A lot of you probably read that as it's a free one that's given away in gyms and things. They reproduced the happiness questionnaire for everyone too, so do check them out. So today's episode is actually prompted by a question that the magazine shortlist asked me in an interview earlier on in the month. One of their writers, a lovely fellow called Harvey Day. Hello, Harvey, if you're listening. Thank you for the interview. He asked me if I had to choose one thing, what would I say is the most effective way of boosting happiness? And out of all the things I wrote about in the book, I found that pretty much everything needed a foundation of appreciation, of gratitude. If you've read my book, and thank you you very much if you have, of course, the ideas that are in there, they could fall on deaf ears if they were done with an attitude of simply going through the motions. Yes, smiling more puts us in a better mood and doing something charitable makes us proud. But if you only do it because it says so in a book then it's not going to have quite the same influence on your mental health. So, what do I mean exactly by gratitude? Well, let's start at the beginning here, because the issue really is that every generation wants something better for their kids. And I get that. I'm a parent, and all I wanted growing up was... Well, what did I want? Not much, not really. Um, A new game for my Spectrum computer? every now and again, and to watch Press Gang with a ham sandwich (laughs) on boggy white bread with a packet of salt and vinegar chip sticks. Simple things, simple minds. And yes, I want my son to have the equivalent experience and more, as did my parents for me, and so on and so forth. We go back in time. But what was a luxury for me growing up has been normalised by 21st century standards. Can you imagine going back in time to meet your granddad when he was 21? And telling him about all the things that you can do. How easy it is to access information. To video chat with someone who's literally on the other side of the world. As if they're sitting right next to you. All the things we absolutely take for granted. He'd be astonished. And not just at the fact that his future grandchild can time travel. That's astonishing enough. But if you brought him to the present day and took him shopping, he'd be speechless. We're in the future, folks. 
and I don't think we appreciate it. The comedian Louis C.K. made uh, a valid point, amusing, he's a comedian, but he made a valid point once when he said, everything is amazing right now and nobody's happy. He told a story once about how he took a flight about 10 years ago and they made an announcement that they had introduced internet access onto the flight. The aeroplane had Wi-Fi for the first time ever and everyone opened up their, their, their laptops and, and, and what have you and, and they could watch Netflix or YouTube or anything. But it was brand new, absolutely brand new at the time. They'd only just started trialling it and testing it so it only lasted about 10 minutes before the plane wasn't able to connect to the internet anymore. And he said the man sitting next to him complained. It only took 10 minutes to become so used to a luxury that it became an entitlement. Louis C.K. later admitted that there wasn't anyone sitting next to him that said that. It was actually himself that he was talking about. It was him that had turned a luxury into an entitlement. It's good to admit things, Louis. Well done. We'll still not let you off for uh, the sexual predatory stuff, though. But despite asking women to watch him play with himself, he had a good point. That was that might have been a surprise for some people. Yes, that's the sort of thing he did. And as I say that, it strikes me as a bit of a coincidence, doesn't it? From one entitlement to another there, Louis. Ooh, maybe entitlement is a bigger issue in the 21st century society than I thought. Anyway, I'm pretty sure most people think that they are entitled to access the internet, though, as if it's a birthright. Well, guess what? It's not. It really isn't. And next time you use the internet for anything, imagine how you'd access that information without it. I mean, you're probably using it right now, because how else did you get this podcast episode? I first started using the internet way back in 1995, when I was just a... I was five, wasn't I? Yeah. No, I was 19 or 20. And back in those days, not only did you have to pay a monthly subscription to it, as we do now, I suppose, it comes with a phone bill, though, doesn't it? You had to, back then, you had to specifically contact an internet company, pay them a monthly subscription of 10 quid a month or whatever. But you also had to pay 5p per minute on your phone bill to use it. Some of you might remember the old modems we needed that we used to phone the internet. We had to phone the internet and call it up. We've come a very long way now. But imagine living without the internet for a year. Every question you want answering, you've either got to go to the library, find an expert somewhere, or just let it go. Because you don't know. And actually, there's no way of you uh, finding out right now. The internet is definitely something we all take for granted, massively. But what about the simpler things? Can you make a cup of tea right now if you want one? Do you have running water? Do you have eyes that can see and ears that can hear? Chances are, yes, you do. What if you didn't? After all, some people don't. I guarantee, absolutely 100% guarantee, that there's someone listening to this episode who doesn't have eyes that can see. There are 349 million people in this world who are blind, and I bet a lot of them listen to podcasts. You fancy swapping lives for a week? Because if you did, by heck, you'd appreciate getting your eyes back when you did. On an even simpler note, do you remember the last time you had a cold? Pain in the backside, wasn't it? Absolute pain in the backside. For a while, maybe you weren't even able to breathe through your nose. No matter what angle you put your head at, it just wasn't right. Your nose didn't work. But do you remember when it lifted? Do you remember the relief when you woke up and found that your cold was getting better and you could breathe through your nose? In that moment, because this has happened to me, you're thankful 
you're really grateful in that moment that you can breathe and go, oh, thank goodness for that. My, my nose is getting better. This cold is going brilliant. And then you just got on with your life and forgot all about it. I've done it. We've all done it. It's easily done. And we do it with so many things. And that's why we say you don't know what you've got till it's gone. But we shouldn't have to have something taken away from us before we appreciate it, should we? That's the difference between having what you want and wanting what you have. Reminds me of a study that was done at Wichita State University about 10 years ago. As well as a few questionnaires about their current levels of well-being, they asked people to look through a list of quite a few material, about 50 material items, and tick off the things that they already owned. Then they asked them to go through the list again and rate how much they actually wanted each item on a scale of 1 to 9, including the things that they already actually did own. And what they found is that there, there was a direct correlation between how happy they were in general with their life, how satisfied they were, and how highly they scored their desire for the things that they already owned. But it also showed a correlation the opposite way around. By scoring highly on wanting things they don't own, which encouraged them to score lower on the well-being questionnaires. Now, we don't really know which direction the the, the causation is travelling here, but it certainly seems that to be well-rounded, we need to keep in check our desires for the things that we don't have and appreciate more the things that we do. One of the items on the list was a bed. Now, I reckon if you're listening to this podcast, then you probably have a bed. If you've got access to the internet but don't have a bed, I'd be very surprised. Maybe you do. I'd be very surprised. Maybe sleeping on the sofa. Maybe you've been in trouble. But when you do get into bed tonight, if you do, and I'm hoping you do, actually, you might even be in bed right now. People often say they take me to bed with them. Oh, that that come out wrong. Well, people do say that. I took you to bed last night. (laughs) Great. Well, make sure you appreciate that bed. Just before Christmas, a man local to me in Birmingham died in a Wagamama's doorway because he didn't have a bed or a roof. And that happens a lot. And that's no reflection on Wagamama's. It's just cold. Interestingly, someone posted something on Facebook not long after he died about him saying that the reason he died was because the UK gives too much money away in foreign aid. And he went on this rant. And this bloke was genuinely really angry. And you might be too thinking the same thing because he thought that the money that we send to foreign aid could be better spent at home when people are dying in doorways. Now, I'm not a politician or an economist, but that isn't why he died. The 0.7% of gross national income the UK donates to overseas aid sounds like a lot of money. If it was all in one person's back pocket, yeah, I'll take £14 billion per year. I could live a very exciting and philanthropic life. But would £14 billion have saved this guy's life if the government put it somewhere else? Probably not. It sounds like a lot, but it's a drop in the ocean when you've got a, a, an entire country full of the 70 million people that we've got. There was a bed in a shelter for him if he'd wanted it. In fact, it was a worker from the shelter that found him because he'd gone looking for him because he, he realised it was so cold and wanted to check he was okay because he didn't like the idea that this, this guy had refused the roof over his head. Don't know why he did it. His own business. He, didn't, he wanted to be in Wagamama's doorway. And he died of hypothermia. Or did he? Maybe he died of depression. Who knows what's going on? I've chatted to a few homeless people in my life and sometimes they don't feel safe being part of a system. They don't want their name on a list where they can be found by their 
abusive parents or the police. You know, you never know what's going on. We just don't know. So don't assume that someone dies in the cold just because we send money abroad. It's really not worth the emotion. Be angry for other reasons about someone dying and change where any blame may lie. Anyway, that's my tangent for today. Now, I, I feel like I need to add here that I'm not, I'm not saying you need to recognise that there's always someone worse off than you. Even though that's probably true, that's not really fair on you and maybe your mental health. Saying that, it trivialises depression. It trivialises anxiety. And by saying saying that to someone who's depressed, by saying, um, there's always, come on, there's always someone worse off than you. Things aren't so bad. You might as well be saying, man up, get over it. Or, have you tried not being depressed? Sure, recognise that you're unhappy if that's the case, but don't feel guilty for not being appreciative of the simpler things in life. That's just how the brain works. These things we take for granted have just become the wallpaper of our world. They fade into the background. So bring them out of the background. Make yourself deliberately aware of them by imagining briefly how you do what you were about to do without that thing. When you hear the central heating kick in first thing in the morning and you know that your alarm is probably going to go off at any minute... Instead of starting the day with a grumble, take a moment to realise what has just happened. Your house is about to warm up. Hot water is about to to flood through your radiators so that you can step out of the shower and not scream about how cold your bathroom is. As you dry yourself with that towel, make yourself aware that you can. You have a way of keeping clean and fresh and dry. When you drive to work, imagine having to take the bus. If you take the bus, imagine having to walk. If you walk, imagine having to have a leg removed due to cancer, as someone I know had to have done just before Christmas. And imagine going everywhere with one leg and a crutch and relearning how to walk. We do take things for granted as humans, that's just how we're built. But remember that anything that we repeat becomes second nature, even appreciation. If you make a deliberate effort to appreciate the the cup of tea the remote control, the Bluetooth headphones, or the air that you breathe. Soon you won't have to put so much effort in as it becomes part of your personality. Part of the foundations that make you, you. Anyway, that's another episode gone. It's coming up to 15 minutes nearly, which is as long as I dare go. As I know that any longer than that, and often people don't click download as they don't think they have the inclination to listen to anything longer than that before they get bored and want to move on to somebody else. But that's another story. Thanks again to those of you that have bought my book. I don't see any sales statistics. That's out of my hands. Uh, The publishers do all that sort of stuff. And it's still early days. It's only been out a fortnight. So I don't know how many of you have actually read it, apart from those that have told me. Although there's a few reviews already dotted around the internet, Amazon, Waterstones and Goodreads, and they're positive. So I'm glad you're enjoying reading it or listening to it if you bought the audiobook. I genuinely can't thank you enough. Although I love what I do, if there was no one to enjoy it, I don't think I'd bother. So it is all down to you. I owe you you lovely lot my career, so thank you. Anyway, that's enough sycophantism and obsequiousness for one day. I don't want to make you sick. So, I'll love you and leave you. Enjoy the rest of the month, and we'll do it all over again in a couple of weeks' time. Bye for now.